48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is... I don't know what to call this topic, but I'm pissed off about the algorithm that uh, seems to be stacked against all the small-time creators. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to encompass that in a topic. But let me let me let me kind of run through uh, some of this. And if you've seen my most recent video, you got like kind of a taste. But I sometimes I'll make a video to get things out of my system, and instead of getting it out of my system, I started thinking about things a lot more. And I'm like, I'm more more angry about it than I was before. So here's the situation, right? Um, prior to the situation that we have right now. Uh, you had gatekeepers, right? And those gatekeepers were like the big media conglomerates, uh, Oprah, you know, uh, Walter Cronkite, you know, whoever, right? And if if you were chosen from the crowd, uh, then you could rise above everybody. But there was really nothing that you could do um, to be chosen. It's just, it was kind of random, you know, or whatever. Uh, then the internet came along and internet, the web 1.0 was super basic, uh, it, things with thing. It was just a different delivery mechanism. Web 2.0, which is a super old term now, because this is happening like in the, like the kind of early two thousands, um, was user generated content began driving the internet. So user, user generated content was super interesting because instead of content providers like TV networks and things like that, delivering content and you had really had no choice in the matter. What happened is that uh, the the world creators, whether they had been passed by the gatekeepers or not, were able to make stuff. And so the internet fractured um, fandoms, right? It fractured things into tiny little niche uh, niches like all over the world. And it, whatever you were into, there's a there's a, a community for you in there. Now, here here's some things that have been happening since then. Oh, and because of that, uh, people got like people who had no right. Uh, by the previous standards of kind of the madman era of things to get big and get popular and, and become powerful in their own right with their own creations. Um, that happened, right? It even happened in comics where you had the two giants, uh, you know, kind of kind of lumbering around and, and regurgitating the, you know, the same old stories of the same, you know, 40 characters. And then image came around and kind of shook things up. And then, you know, now you've got, now you've got boom and dark horse and top shelf and all that. I mean, everything kind of just, fractured right to where you know there's some room and and here's what's been going on so since then uh two main things have happened to kind of cause this and every time every time somebody makes an announcement like this you you hear all of this excitement about it and and it, and it kind of makes me feel like nobody understands what's going on um i know i know that's not true because a lot of people do but um disney owns like most of my childhood now, and they continue to buy up things, right? Telecoms continue to buy up telecoms. But I mean, the fact that the fact that you can have the X-Men and any Disney movie and, um, you know, like anything that Fox has ever produced um, and, and Pixar, uh, all in the same universe owned by the same company, uh, in addition to one of the three major networks, in addition to owning, um, you know, a bunch of stuff that nobody ever thinks about because they don't have like, you know, like Deadpool or Wolverine attached to it. It's like really weird and interesting things like that. Um, 
tied into the delivery mechanism of the internet itself, which is tied into the FCC, um, you know, and the recent change in the FCC where uh, now um, giant telecoms are basically going to be allowed to, um, you know, do all kinds of weird things um, to the information that's getting to our home. Uh, the, the era of free flow of information of Web 2.0 seems to be dying and being replaced by um, gatekeepers again. And the gatekeepers are even more frustrating than they were before because the gatekeepers are now uh, robotic and stupid. And so um, to, 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 like, to, take, to take kind of this, this free flow of information where it was really awesome and there was really no one to get in your way of doing really cool things um, and change that. And here's, here's the life cycle of a social media network now. This is this is really frustrating. Um, you you have a social media network and it's cluttered and it's garbage and there's there's flaming guitar spinning pixelated gifs with you know your name flashing and glitter and every uh, you know video cam chick on the internet trying to get you to pay for their service and you can't even contact anybody anymore. And then there's a new service that comes out that's clean and it has nice typography and there's nothing on it except for the stuff that you put on there and that your friends put on there and everybody jumps to that one. And then it slowly yeah. degrades and turns into uh, the thing that it killed um, by mutating a company. And, and here's how that works is it normally is a, um, you know, what you see is what you get non-algorithmic timeline where if, if I choose to follow Scott, if I choose to follow Josh, then every time Scott or Josh puts something on that social media network, then I get to see it. There's there's no barrier to entry. There's no one deciding whether it's worthy of what I want to see or whatever. And if I don't, if I want to stop seeing it, I can unsubscribe, I can unlike, I can unfriend or whatever terminology. But at some point in time, either when these companies go public or when they have to start turning a profit, they begin trying to figure out how to jam advertisements in there. And they start doing that and it becomes a problem in two ways. One problem is that it's cluttering uh, the, the, the free flow of information because of something called native advertising. And native advertising is problematic because there used to be um, standards, journalistic integrity, where you would have um, the content the things that people were producing was separate and distinct from the advertising, the, the things that paid for those things. And what has happened is because people were trained to ignore the advertising, our brains literally don't look at certain parts of the screen when we're on the, on the internet, because we know that that's the place where ads go. They started to do native advertising and the definition of native advertising, no matter what everybody says, because they'll tell you it's just like it's advertising with a story or whatever. That's that's bull crap. What native advertising is, it's is it is a Trojan horse. It is it is advertising that is intended to look like the content where the ad is placed so that it's indistinguishable or almost indistinguishable within a legal margin um, from the actual content itself. And so what you get is you get people sneaking ads into that content. That's the first thing that's problematic. And because of that, it muddies the waters and people are not sure what is real and what is paid for. And then that opens up a thing for what is real, what is paid for, and what is some foreign entity trying to manipulate a, a population of people. Then the second thing that happens is that those, those timelines where I subscribe to person A, whenever person A puts something up, I get to see it become algorithmic. They try to deliver quote, the most relevant or the best content to you. And so they give you an algorithmically 
um, filtered content. And this does two things. One, it makes the tiny little creators, it encourages them to pay to boost their content to get to their own audience. And if you think about that, that is ridiculous, right? The fact that I might have 20 people that want to see my stuff, but only two of them get to see my stuff unless I pay five bucks and then the rest of them might be able to see it if it's worth it. Um, that shouldn't be the choice of the algorithm. The other thing that it does is if you are big, if you happen to strike, you know, strike gold by jumping on a platform at the right time or going viral at the right time, then you're fine because you're already big. So the algorithm loves you. But if you're trying to grow at this point in time, um, it's it's a super uphill battle because the algorithm is seeing that your stuff isn't performing as well as it should. And so then you can do one of two things. You can spend the next eternity trying to figure out how to grow your audience organically, right? Which they are against because they want your money. And so everything is stacked against organic growth. Whereas organic growth used to be very possible. Now all of the algorithms are trying to punish anyone who's doing organic growth. Then beyond that, if you try to pay for stuff because of the dark hat stuff that's going on, um, you've got people that are out there that have like fake accounts or empty accounts. And this is kind of what my video was about before. I'm going to stop talking any moment now so that you guys can jump in. But the, the, the fake accounts are like this, right? You have, you have click farms, you've got like farms, you've got, you've got basically factories full of people um, in specific countries around the world and in the Midwest, uh, in the U S where people will sit there and they will like pages. Right. And this means that, that, you know, you get followed by these people on Instagram. It's like, if you want 800 likes today, you know, or if you want, you know, 2000 followers today, just give us, give us 50 bucks and you know, blah, 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 blah. And here's the problem with that. And the problem with that is that is not real engagement because I'm not interested in having 40,000, um, you know, follows on Instagram. I'm interested in having real relationships with real people who are really interested in what I have to say. And I'm interested in having relationships with other artists um, because of what they have to say, because there's real human connection there. As soon as you get into the numbers game, because that's the easy thing to measurement to, to measure, uh, then it, it introduces the, these kind of like farms and click farms. Now, the algorithms don't want those like farms and click farms to be able to work because Again, if everybody says, well, it's not real engagement, then they're not delivering the product, right? And here's the, we'll get into the product in a minute, but so what the click farms and all those farms do is they like legitimate advertising and they, they engage with legitimate advertising to trick the algorithms into thinking that they are, they're, they're real things. But the problem is they're not because they can follow your page. They can like your, like the thing that you've promoted and all that stuff, but it's not a person who is engaging with your stuff. So they're not going to comment later. They're not going to buy your book when the, when it, when it goes on Kickstarter, they're not going to, they're not going to engage, you know, on a, on a human level because they're not people. They are, it's just, it's either robots or it's, you know, people who are paid, you know, to run these 20 accounts and like, you know, X amount of things per day. So the problem is, is if you do it the right way, quote unquote, the right way, then, and you're supposed to advertise, which is the whole point of, of what, how they've done this algorithmic timeline, then you start getting in quote, quote unquote engagement from empty accounts, which is, which is fake engagement. Then comes the problem where after that, if your account becomes bloated with with empty accounts who don't engage with your content, then when you put new content out, then that content is not um, 
is not being engaged by your audience on a percentage basis, right? So if I had 10 people who were super excited about my stuff before, and that's the only thing I had, people would look at it and go, ah, oh, you don't have much of an audience. But if like seven of those people engage with my content every time that's 70% of my audience that's super engaged. But if all of a sudden I blow up and I have 20,000 empty accounts and 200 people that are willing to, uh, that are willing to actually be people and, and follow, um, then my engagement rate, even though I might have 10 times more the actual amount of human beings that are engaging with my stuff, it's a fraction of what it was before because before it was 70 with just a few people and now it might be you know a, a percent or two of that. And so when I push something out, the algorithm will say, this person is not creating relevant content. And so it won't allow me to see and reach the actual people who have made that decision to be reached. So my problem my problem is, is, is that the algorithms have become that which they sought to replace and they are causing the, the systems. Uh, one, there's a complete lack of trust from the people that are trying to create things because it just seems like you're, you're who's the guy? Sisyphus? Who's the guy who's just pushing the rock up the hill for eternity and the, the ravens come and eat his liver every day? Sisyphus. Sisyphus, right? It feels like that a lot of the time, right? Where you're not getting anywhere. It's a it's a ton of effort with very little movement. And it's just, that's what every day is like. The other option is that I can pay money, um, but then I pay money and I get punished because my uh, the numbers that I don't care about go up and the amount of engagement goes down. So my reach to actual people um, is hindered and, and hobbled. That's hmm. kind of what I'm upset about. And so we're, we're entering an age where we are leaving paradise, where creators could create something and reach whoever was interested. And there was no barrier in between the creator and their audience. And we are leaving that um, to make sure that the corporations and the algorithms and the robots are satiated um, because of the way everything is set up. The delivery mechanism is more important financially than the content that everybody actually cares about. The audience cares about the content, the producers of the content, the creators care about the content, the middleman cares about the delivery mechanism and because they control the delivery mechanism, uh, they just muck everything up. Everything yeah. is screwed up and it's only going to get worse and I don't know what the solution is, but I'm pissed about it. You know, um, I, I, I kind of broaden this a little bit from just algorithms online because i i feel like what you're complaining about actually could translate very well to comics um indies like for years have had the issue of of like the middleman in comics um anti-indie and so because the middleman is like this glorified entity in the comic industry and it's literally your only pathway to get into small stores that don't really sell like a massive amount of books um, you're pretty much screwed if you're just trying to put out your own content and get mass distribution. And there's not a lot of like, I mean, there've been attempts, but there haven't been really effective indie distribution, um, sites set up for, for cartoonists. And so what's interesting is the exact arc you're describing could apply to indie comics, where it's like in the early two thousands, there was this weird thing that was happening where, um, you have like top shelf, like booming, like they started, they, they had like a New York times bestseller and then you had like fun home get put out by like random house. And you had, um, you know, like, uh, uh Jimmy Corrigan, smartest kid on earth. And like mouse was finally getting the, the credit it should be getting. And 
all of these great like indies were just starting to break through. And so all of the publishers were like freaking out about independent content. And this is about the era I moved um, with my wife to Portland. And it was interesting being in the thick of it because all of these indie cartoonists really had this legitimate hope um, that they would actually be able to make a living doing like indie, like auto bio comics, like slice of life comics. Um, like w- one of my friends in Portland was working on like a, a biography of like a, a, a explorer who like discovered all these different lands. And he was actually like going on ships and like researching this whole like, um, like voyage, sea voyage, and then like documenting it in a graphic novel and the reason he was investing in doing that was like he had a real hope that like, you know, because at the time, like people were just getting scooped up by major publishers um, with decent advances too. like people were getting advances for graphic novels. Um, and it just seemed like, wow, this is the change. And then what ended up happening, weirdly enough, is like when uh, the superhero movies all started booming and like the MCU and stuff like picked up. Um, the reverse happened to kind of indie comics. So, so what's weird is like um, suddenly they were like, oh, okay, we actually don't want to do anything in comics that's not like capes and tights. And so it just kind of became more of the same. Um, and so we're in another scenario with comics where you have occasional indies, but like if you look at like what sells well for like um, for like uh, like um image comics is a perfect example they're always brought up as this like clout and like this perfect example of indie indie comic publisher but um show me one you know image comic that doesn't have like action guns girls or like capes and tights like or or like sci-fi it's like it's it's the same kind of content that was selling in the 80s just like a little more variety in it and definitely some cool stories i like them but it's like back to that kind of monotone story. Um, and so it felt like this whole thing was cracking open, like comics are in, in bookstores, like they're gonna be respected as literature. It's gonna be like the bookstore where you go and you've got like fiction and you've got nonfiction and you've got like Westerns and you've got like romance and you've got all this variety. And it's actually become more homogenized again um, to where like what's weird is, you know, like outsiders were like writing like fun home is one of the most outsider books you can imagine. And yet like everybody's raging about captain Marvel being this embracing story of like feminism. And it's like, but what about like Alison Bechdel, like coming out and being openly a lesbian in a story that was like a just tell all where it's like, it humanizes like uh, people on the outskirts. And like there were, there were all sorts of books like in the early two thousands like that that were happening and those books have actually gotten like quashed by stuff like Captain Marvel and which is, which is crazy. Cause I like, there's, I, I have a split personality about it because <laughs> I love that stuff. Like I grew yeah. up with stuff. I, I love, um, I actually really enjoy all the MCU stuff. I, I love Spider-Man. Like that's one of the, one of the books I grew up with, but what's weird is it is becoming um, more of like, when the gates were kind of cracking open, suddenly the gates came back. And so now like the only interest people have is like in doing all ages comics that are for kids, which is weird because comics fought for years 
years to try to get out of that chokehold. Like they actually felt like restrained by that. They were like, we're not just for kids. Like that's what Watchmen made such a big impact because it like came out and was like, this can be for more than kids. And, um, and I do think it went like way too far away from kids and it's good that there are comics for kids, but it's, it's fascinating that comics have gone back into the constraints that like Will Eisner was really trying to break out of. He called it the comics ghetto um and like even what he was doing with the spirit like he was trying to move away from that and like move into more kind of like like artsy stories and stuff but he, he just felt this resistance of comics being stuck in this like loophole of like the same four stories over and over again and uh and honestly i like i feel that frustration all the time because i'm doing autobio comics that aren't gonna hit like a certain niche and Whereas like if this were the early 2000s, I would probably think like, you know, in a year I'm going to have like a massive publishing deal. Um, I'm going to get an advance. It's going to be out in bookstores. Now it's like because it's gone back to like the same distribution networks, the same four publishers. Most of the indies that are out there are really struggling or scraping by. Um, Kickstarter is is a blessing and a curse. Like you have more variety in what's out there. But on the downside with Kickstarter it gives a lot of indies an excuse to not take risks and put out books. Cause they're like, Oh, we can just, you can just run a Kickstarter, you know, and put out your own book, but it doesn't solve that distribution problem. And that distribution model is like, it's been a problem with rock and roll. It's been a problem with everything. And it is sad that the internet's gotten there too, because I do remember um, like I, I've talked about it before, but like, my experience with Threadless was like that, where when I first got on Threadless, it was a system where if you did a design that was an effective, good design that would sell, it would get printed. Like, And, and it was just literally that, because um, you had just this direct window to your audience. And most of the people voting for it were the people watching it. Most people designing were fans, and they would buy it and stuff like that. But then it broke open because people gamed the system. They had to change their forum and their voting system and all of that um, because a couple kind of people took advantage of it. And and then it became like what it is today, which is is okay and it's effective, but it's not to the scale that like it was at like in the early 2000s because of the fact that it's it's run by algorithms and stuff so it's like you kind of have to game it if you're going to do it and yet you kind of can't game it so it's i don't know it's it, it is a weird it's a fascinating thing but it's weird because to me it's interesting because all the things you're kind of complaining about with like the advertising and the the pandering to advertising and kind of basing um, you know, success on previous successes and not taking risks and stuff like that. Like that actually really, to me, translates a lot to comics, you know? Well, and it's, um, it's an interesting thing that has been, it seems like it's just a human condition. It's just part of, part of what we do, because I remember I was never successful on Threadless. Um, but Threadless is the reason that I know Adobe Illustrator at all, because <clears throat> right after I graduated college, um, you know, I, I saw Threadless and Threadless was like the lawless wild west. I mean, it was just, it, you know, whoever, whoever had, uh, you know, was the quickest draw uh, out there. And it was it was amazing because it was like this utopia of creativity um, yeah. where it was like this. It was like this small window of a meritocracy. And what seems to happen every single time 
um, where that happens, whether you're talking about Web 2.0, whether you're talking about Threadless specifically, or whether you're talking about the Spartans in the fifth century, um, what seems to happen is that there are people that try to figure out instead of like, I'm going to get good and produce decent content is they say, hey, the people that are good and producing decent content seem to all have this one little loophole in common that I can exploit. They begin exploiting that loophole. And then the people who are like, well, I want to keep this to be kind of like, you know, just just creation. That's that's what I want to keep it about. And so these people trying to game the system, like we got to close that loophole. But then eventually you close so many loopholes that you stop viewing your community as creative yeah. and you start viewing your community as aggressive and then it becomes kind of an us versus them situation. And it's like, well, if these guys aren't going to support it, I'm just going to close down everything. And these advertisers are willing to give me some money. And it's an interesting thing. We've got some good comments in the chat. Um, you know, uh, let's see, where was that one? Um, you know, it's basically, uh, who said it? It's the chat's going too fast for me to follow up, but, but somebody said, somebody said it's all about, it's all about the almighty dollar. Um, and this is a really interesting thing about it that I find fascinating is because we have decided, I'm going to, I'm going to sound like an anarchist. I'm actually not, but I'm going to sound like it. We have decided as a community of people, Okay, as a group of human beings to value this thing that has no intrinsic value in and of itself, right? Um, the, the real value is in the value that we create, right? If I take a piece of paper, the inherent value of that piece of paper is pennies. It's, it's nothing. The material value of that thing is nothing. But if I spend 20 hours on a drawing, all of a sudden the value of that goes up to hundreds of dollars, you know, or even thousands of dollars. Um, yeah. And so I've added, I, I've created value from nothing. I've created value from effort, right? The difficult part about that is it's really, really hard to take that value and transfer it into goods and services. So the middleman becomes this currency exchange where it used to be, you know, like, well, I'll trade you a chicken for, you know, some labor, right? And I'll trade you five chickens for a cow, you know, or whatever. But then it became difficult because it's like, well, how much you know, is skilled labor work worth, you know, how many, how many chickens is a, is a horseshoe, you know, from a blacksmith work and at worth. And so then the, the introduction of currency and debt become comes into play. But that is, if we look at it at anything other than what it is, it is an agreement that we will all buy into the illusion that there's value in that stuff. And, and yeah. because, because we have decided that that's true it actually is true. The economy does well when people feel like it's doing well. The economy does poorly when people feel like it's doing poorly. Because if the illusion starts to crack, then the reality starts to crack. And 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 the whole thing with this drives me crazy because then you have currency in the middle, and then beyond currency you have debt, and then beyond debt you start to have um, you start to have middlemen who pop up that are willing to pass that stuff around and distribute that stuff. When really, if there's a guy that wants to read my children's book, I want to get that to that guy, right? If there's if there's a gal that wants to read my comic, I want to get that to that gal, right? Yeah. And the more people in between me and her, the more people in between, you know, the stuff that I want to consume and the people creating that, the less that the people who are actually creating the value get. And the more that the machine, the mechanism, the, the middlemen get, and it drives me crazy. But here's what I think as, as we've been thinking about this, because I started to think, oh, there was this window of opportunity where, you know, for like 
10 to 12 years, everything was great. And it's never going to be like that again. There's actually been times like this cyclically throughout history. And so I think, because I remember, I remember having a good conversation. There's a guy that teaches social media on campus with me and, um, and we were talking and he was saying that like, there used to be this thing with, um, you know, with the algorithms where it was like, you know, it's, it's how much it does in the first hour. It's how much it does. Right. And that's all very true. It's becoming more outdated. Um, but a lot of those people are starting to say it's the quality of the content you're producing. And that age old adage that content is king, that phrase has been around for a long time since movable type. And um, because as soon as I can move little letters around and produce any book that I want, um, the production of books that used to be handwritten, right, or fixed into plates and super expensive became yeah. relatively inexpensive. And then all of a sudden people said, well, just because it's a book doesn't mean it's a valuable book. And so then yeah. the content became the content became important. That is starting to swing back around. I'm, I'm getting a little encouraged in that I believe that if we continue to produce stuff of value and don't become part of the bandwagon crowd that tries to game the system, that eventually those gates are going to swing back open. There'll be another period of hopefully a decade or more where there's going to be another boom of creativity. And then there'll be people that try to game the system. There'll be people that close those loopholes and there'll be all the money grubbers and bean counters in between that, uh, that, that get in the way and muck everything up. And then again, those gates will swing open one more time. So now that I'm thinking about it, this has been happening for, it's been happening for centuries. If you think about like the history of debt and the history of money, it goes back, it goes back thousands and thousands of years um, because that's what society is based on is the mutually uh, agreed upon exchange of obligation, whether, whether you call that obligation favors or barter or cash or IOUs. um, Yeah all of our society is based on the fact that if we stop buying into that illusion that our societal contract completely breaks down and, and, and anarchy happens. Yeah. I think, um, I, I wanted to address like another thing in the chat, like Pepper mentioned, uh, he does, uh, kids books because he likes to tell kids stories. Having a seven, eight or 10 year old come up to me and ask a ton of questions about our work is the best feeling. And I do want to really, uh, like I know, I know I was kind of railing against kids comics. I don't think kids comics are bad. Um, I think there's a lot out there that aren't good, but I think that's in general with most books or most comics or most movies, there's a lot of stuff out there that may not maybe, you know, be the best choice to have out there. But, um, but I, I'd say in general, like some of my favorite comics of all time are children's comics. I mean, Calvin and Hobbes, I think is some of the best, cartooning ever done i'd say bone by jeff smith is like a masterpiece that could stand next to like the the best like you know um comics of all time so i i definitely want to be clear like i'm not against kids comics i just i i'm i'm more just kind of amazed at how the market kind of shifts and always wants to find like a niche um like a a, a certain niches that they want to kind of highlight and, and get out there Tacking on to what Corey was saying, though, I think one of the things that gives me hope is just punk rock. Um, like, I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, you know, distributors have always been a nightmare for artists. Um, and, and, I mean, this goes back to, like, the Medici family in, in Italy, like, being really selective about which <laughs> show. But what's weird is there's always been outliers that just manage to kind of, like, they don't go through the door. They just break through the wall. 
And, uh, and, and I think like hip hop's a really good example of that. Like initially, like most hip hop was like sold out of the back of trunks, like of cars, um, and just made on mixtapes that were passed around and sold for like 50 cents and totally, um, made in their own way. And, and similarly, like punk rock was just like pressed on wax records because it was just super cheap to do. And then, you know, they, you know, do a small run of like 45s when, you know, they could get really good deals from these factories that were running, like still had the equipment to run 45, but had no clients. <laughs> and and uh, they took advantage of it and, and got like cheap, you know, product made and then like mostly distributed it at shows or through like their own little catalogs that they passed out at shows. And you'd have to like send away a quarter to like these different record, record companies that, um, you know, so like to me, um like what's inspiring to me is like look at look into like discord records and like how how um Ian McKay like kind of started this like his own record label and kind of refused to get in that whole like crazy distribution system they just found a different pathway and uh you know did it their own way and did it really well and and there's a lot of like cartoonists and kids book artists and there's a lot of good content that does somehow break through so to me like I, I won't give up hope as long as there's good content, um, even good content that goes through the crazy system. Yeah. Um, so I feel like as long as there's outliers, I do think something worth considering, and this is something I'm going to think about with my book. I've talked about it too. Um, and then I want to get Scott on cause like Scott, poor Scott's just been, <laughs> no, no, this is all interesting stuff, but, but, um, but I, I think like alternate approaches, like, um, so right now, like most people are going to tell you, like, this is how you game social media. This is how you succeed as an artist. This is how you sell your comics. This is where you sell your comics. You do a comic convention that you have to pay tons of money for a table for, and you're competing against those big conglomerates who are going to make way better sales than you. Worse than that, that you're competing with the actor that plays the flash on the CW TV show. Exactly. And you might very well be the guy who created the flash and you're having to compete <laughs> against the actor who's going to get a much bigger line. Um, yeah. and, and that's, that's kind of, that's the, the game they want you to play. But what, what's interesting is like, you know, there's a whole bunch of different routes to it like you don't have to necessarily do comic book stores you could do bookstores you could do like coffee shops you could do gigs <laughs> like set up a show like go to a bar and like uh you know get a, book a comic night where it's like a reading for for like you and your friends who make comics like um you, you don't necessarily have to sell through the same channels and and i do think like thinking outside of the box is like a really good um, avenue because once again like and also being current and stuff with with what is there because if that window opens you want to be jumping through before it closes again you know but until then i mean i always have this just method of like just punch a wall until it breaks like like <laughs> if, if you can't get through the door the back door is closed like all the like everything inside is cool and awesome and you want in um like make your way in like if you have to like start drilling a hole through the wall i mean it, it you know you kind of have to think outside of like the entry points that all the middlemen and all the gatekeepers want you to take like the neat thing about gatekeepers 
is usually there's a side route where you don't have to cross the troll bridge. You can just go around the trolls. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you don't have to play the stupid riddle game. Um, there, there's, there's and, beautiful- and then, and then to kind of, and then to kind of carry on with that analogy, like there are these times and it's, it continues to happen where, uh, somebody will see, you know, I, I've tried to drill through the wall. I've tried to come through the roof. I've tried to tunnel in through the floor and just screw it. I'm just going to build my own. And so they, they go down the road and they build their own and it is awesome and it's free and, you know, there's no walls to it and everybody comes and hangs out there. And then people start to try to like steal stuff from people. So they build a few walls and then they become the thing that they, that they built that against And you see that happen with, uh, with Patreon and Kickstarter and Indiegogo and, and Gumroad and whatever, um, you know, and Twitter and Facebook and, and all this stuff, it, it it originally became, I mean, if you think about what Twitter is, Twitter is a fascinating thing. It's actually a term called microblogging because people were saying like, hey, these blogs are great, but what if we all just got together and decided to microblog? And then now that's becoming where they're like, well, we got to figure out a way to monetize this thing. But it, it all happens because like if I, if I say, you know what, I don't like what's going on with X crowd crowdfunding thing, you know, whether it be yeah. Patreon, Indiegogo or whatever, I could be like, I'm going to start my own thing. Right. And so I start my own thing. If I get enough people to show up, it can be really awesome for a short period of time. And then it just seems to be inevitably to the point where it's just going to be like, yeah, it's just going to be crap. And that's the thing with like shows, like shows should be the, the perfect thing. It's the people who want your stuff and you talk face to face with them and you have the stuff that they want. And then they always seems to trend towards garbage. It always seems to tr- not garbage, but it always seems to trend towards noise. This just reminds me of like the signal to noise ratio, right? Five by five is something that Faith on Buffy used to say all the time. It's an old World War One, World War Two terminology where it's talking about the strength of the signal versus the amount of noise in the air, right? And so if you're five by five, it means there's no noise and you've got a super strong signal. You're coming in clear. You want to be five by five with your audience. That might mean that you you clear a channel or whatever, right? But you can be one by five and have a really weak signal, but with no noise and it comes through. And that's how all of us start, right? Is we're like, well, I don't have a very strong signal. That's, this is where the term signal boost comes from. It's like, yeah. you know, like bigger people with a bigger antenna or whatever. They'll be like, Hey, I'll carry your, I'll carry your pirate radio for you. So that'd give you a little bit of a signal boost. That's become a thing where people with influence on social media have like retweeted people or whatever. Hey, thanks for the signal boost. That's where that is. But as soon as there becomes more noise, the noise starts to increase. If you don't have the ability to um, increase the power of your signal, then you just get drowned out by the dross, by all the other signals that are out there. They can be good, bad, ugly, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is the noisier and crowded that something gets, the weaker everybody's position is. And so that's why there's this continual, it's like the law of entropy applied to content. It used to be that there were three networks and those three networks were a hundred percent of the television. And you could get tens of millions of people watching one of those shows because that was the only option that they had. Right. And then cable TV came along and then streaming came along. And now you're, you're happy if you've got, you know, tens of thousands of people doing it instead of tens of millions or whatever. Um, and, and it continues to fracture because it continues to niche down. But the problem is that I see is that if the big companies don't wise up, 
They're too slow to pivot and too slow to turn. They will be toppled and destroyed by the people that come along and they're like, hey, your thing sucks. I'm going to build my own thing. And, and, they, and they build their own thing. But more and more, it seems like governments, societies, systems, and ingrained things. I mean, how we don't just wake up every morning and think, you know, like the oligarchy are the robber barons of, of you know, the, the industrial age. Um, I, I don't know how we're just not like, I just threw a bunch of terms out there, but that makes sense to me. Anyway, I, how that doesn't just piss everyone off every day that you wake up is beyond me, except for we're all really entertained by all the stuff happening. I love the fact that, I love the fact that, you know, like Luke Skywalker and, uh, you know, and Wolverine could, could potentially have a fight and you could see whether or not uh, adamantium can cut through or be blocked by a lightsaber like that is possible now and nobody seems to care that 4,000 people are out of a job because of that yeah what's interesting uh, Squatchy was mentioning another like side route which is like starting an engagement group where we all go like comment and share members posts to get stuff seen more because the algorithms want engagement it's another possibility like there's a million ways to do it. But one thing I will say is like just having been like a nerd and an outsider, like most of my life, um, there's this beautiful thing that happens when you re when you find the subculture. Yeah. Uh, like, and you're just like, Oh yeah, there's other people who don't like, like this crappy music that everybody seems to like, or <laughs> there's like this weird group of people who like, don't necessarily think like those jeans that are the popular jeans are like the best thing to wear. Like there's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a matter of like, I, I think in a weird way, I know we speak against tribes sometimes um, for like tribal thinking and stuff, but sometimes it's good to find your tribe uh, to be able to combat stuff like that. Cause yeah. with the little group, um, you can do a lot of damage. And so like, that's, that's kind of like, um, that's my hope in the, in the whole thing. Okay. I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a rant on subcultures. You ready for this? This is, this is subcultures are one of my favorite things to talk about because if it weren't for the rebels, then, um, people of certain skin tones wouldn't be allowed to vote or own property and would actually be property today. Like if you look at society, society has only gotten better because groups of people have decided that are on the fringe and that have crazy ideas. Like maybe black people are just as a person as I am. Like that's an insane concept that somebody had one day. And you want to, you want to look at something super interesting, go back and read about Abraham Lincoln he never aligned himself with the abolitionists because the abolitionists were seen as radical extremists. The people that thought that slavery should be ended were seen as so extreme that you couldn't deal with them, right? He was an abolitionist at heart, right? But he could never publicly align with the abolitionists because if he did that, it was just too nuts. It was too crazy. And if you look at this, you look at it in music, right? Um, everybody's going with Everybody's going with classical music, right? Hitler's yeah. all about the classical music. And then all these people are like, hey, you know that Hitler Hugen youth group that you've got where you make everybody like go camping and then learn to hate the Jews and stuff? I don't really like that. You guys cut your hair short, I'm gonna wear it long. You guys listen to classical music, I'm gonna listen to big band and swing. Right? And there's this there's this rebellion that happens, and then jazz and then hip hop and then disco, and then you know, everything is everything is reaction to everything else. But everything has happened because a group of people have gotten together and said, Hey, this thing that you guys are all doing that everybody seems to 
accept as a given, that sucks. I hate it. I'm going to, I'm going to do something different than that. You know, like yeah. the suffragettes and all that. I mean, you, you have like Gandhi and Martin Luther King. I mean, look at every single one of these groups that has, has affected major and, and positive change. It's happened because groups of people have gotten together and rebelled against the existing system. And without that revolution, without that rebellion, okay, it used to be if you go back not very long ago, right? A couple hundred years ago, and I'm not exaggerating, a couple hundred years ago, um, you would wake up, you, half your village would be taken into slavery and killed and everything would be on fire. And you would say, well, it was dark because that's how humanity was until like the Sophates came along and they're like, hey, you know how everybody's walking around dressing like a, like a hoplite soldier because that's the easiest way to, to fight in battle. What if I did the exact opposite of that? I'm going to wear this giant flowing robe. I'm just going to put a toga on and walk around and question things and people are like don't question things that's weird you're either gonna give birth or you're gonna kill things that's that's what we do in the society it's like you know what no i'm just gonna think about stuff and i'm gonna talk about it that's what i'm gonna yeah. do that was a rebel revolution like we think yeah. about the greeks and the romans they weren't always like that i mean the spartans were what they were really like and then again and again and again over and over and over again somebody comes along and says eh, i don't really like the way that everyone is doing this and i'm gonna do something different so i am all about and and uh, Abe says footloose and Kevin Bacon subculture. I'm all about <laughs> that, right? No, I and and so I I literally today I will start a Slack group or a Discord or something. I'm gonna do a little research on what the best one is, and we're gonna start our own little rebellion, and we are just gonna take down the algorithms because I don't freaking care anymore. I am yeah. so sick of it that we're just gonna have a little chat. There'll be some rules so that nobody tries to game the system. And I'm just going to boot anybody who is a bad actor and everybody who wants to chill and share good stuff. We're totally doing that. We're starting it today. It's definitely going to happen. So the next time I go live on the air, I will have a solution to this. We are going to have a group where you make something, you share it, and people go and comment and like on it because I am so sick of the gatekeepers and the algorithms that the gate is going to swing the other day because I'm going to rip it off the freaking hinges. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, just to to chime in on that, like maybe the this could be like a little subline in our group, but uh, the, all of this talk is reminding me. I've quoted this before, but in Almost Famous, there's this scene where Lester Bangs uh, says to the main character, "The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool." <laughs> and like, I actually think um, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Like the 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 um, like being an artist, you're naturally going to be kind of an outsider and you're always going to be fighting against the kitsch crap in the mall, you know, like that's always the fight of the artist, and, and it has been forever. Like there's certain trends that like would hit art when the impressionists were starting to do impressionism. And like, everybody was like, no, 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 this just, this whole thing is insane. Like, that's not what you do. You do this like really boring like overly smooth like painting that's what we do now we do the romantic stuff because that's the trend and these guys were like screw it no we're gonna like do plain air painting and like get the gesture of life and stuff and created a movement and created an art scene it's like that's kind of the nature of art so i feel like i am down for any sort of rebellion i will join in as long as it's not like physical, because I, I still need to get my workout habits better. <laughs> so, so what's your what's your thoughts on this and stuff? I mean, I know like personally, like you've had kind of the algorithm kind of work against you, and yet you're still funding your Kickstarter. I think you're you've doubled your yeah. goal, you know. 
Well, I, I mean, I, I think I've talked about that a number of times, so people are probably sick of it. But I, I just kind of, to me, what you guys are talking about, it seems like it's all cyclical, but it's, 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 it really is as, as creatives, I think we have the power because everything you're talking about, I kind of, I, I compare it to like um, gentrification where you'll have yeah. this, this old, you know, area that, that nobody wants to live in. A few bohemian people, some artists actually go in there they start to, you know, and then, you know, they start to do some cool stuff and then people take notice and like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Let's go. Let's go hang out with these guys. Let's go move in. And, and then it just becomes so cool. And then these corporate people come in and, and just, you know, adopt the whole thing and, 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 and change it. And the, the prices go way up and it becomes lame. And then the artists have to start again. And that's yeah. kind of what it is. That's got kind of how all this stuff works. I mean, it just we as creatives create cool stuff whether it's a comic convention, the first comic conventions, and then the corporate people come in and, and, you know, ruin it. And, and, you know, you got to find something else. You got to find something new, but as creatives, that's, that's what we have to do. So, I mean, but it's, it's, it's all the same. I love that though, because I, I do, um, that's a great analogy. Cause I do like having lived in long beach and seen like the gentrification of that city and a lot of the great stuff about it just got like, overrun by yuppies <laughs> and it was like <laughs> the worst thing and it's like that um and then suddenly you see like you the thing you loved becomes like a franchise you know so um yeah like i'm all for it let's let's defranchise this business and, and like start our own awesome taco joint <laughs> yeah so um so lots of people in the chats really like this idea which i didn't come up with i don't know who originally said that I think Squatchy and uh, and others were kind of involved in that, but there used to be these things called Instapods, and they they kind of they kind of don't work anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think uh, I think we should I think we should definitely crowdsource this. Here's here's the thing: um, YouTube is one of the problems, right? YouTube also uh, like kind of holds people back. Um, it's not as bad as others, but I mean, they have been testing, uh, they have been testing kind of the, you know, like kind of the algorithmic timeline inside of your subscription channel, um, which, which becomes a really, really problematic issue. Um, and so like email is kind of the last, the last bastion of stuff. So what I would like to do is, um, I would like to say, get on, um, get on my email newsletter which I, I don't think I've sent one out in like eight months or something um, because I want to just like get an email invite out to everybody who's interested in, in doing this. Um, and so you can go to quarrycurcom slash email um, and do that. And then also, um, Scott, if you're down uh, in, in throwing one out to your email newsletter. Um, yep. Yeah. So get on, get on Scott's as well. And is there a specific domain that they go to or just CircWorks? If you, if you go to my website, it, it, there's you might have to, right now there's a big giant ad for the Kickstarter. If you scroll down a little bit, just to it'll say get the Comic Maker Starter Kit. That'll take you to the you just get you'll get that. Plus you'll be enrolled in the in the email list for that. Okay, so get on get on those two email lists, and uh, before I leave for Creative South, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a solution so that we can all get in and, and start figuring this thing out. It won't be completely built, but it at least, at least we'll get something started. Um, and then just, and then just tell everybody who's, uh, tell everybody who's like-minded, 
uh, to jump in. And, and, and we're looking for two types of people. We're looking for um, people who want to create and connect and, and people who like uh, good stuff and are, are kind of sick of, uh, sick of the algorithm. We'll, we'll figure out ways to kind of uh, filter and, and whatnot so that you're not getting bombarded. Um, but anyway, long, long story short, we're, we're doing this thing. Yeah. Hey, how long is the drive from Atlanta to uh, Columbus? It's about, it's a little less than two hours. Okay. We got to talk about this on the way because it's kind of come up with some ideas. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, uh, Scott and I are going to figure this out uh, (laughs) because we're both going to the same conference. Um, But yeah, it's going to be, it'll be good. I'm excited about it. The the one the main thing that I'm super excited about is that uh, this isn't like any of the three of us saying, "Hey, everybody's going to do this," but like the community came up with it. Like I was just sitting here ranting about crap that I hate. Playing this thing. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I'm I'm willing to we facilitate. Didn't know what the topic was going to be when we started. <laughs> no, this wasn't even what we we're going to talk about. I was just still mad about it. So yeah, I like the idea of kind of like let's let's actually take some action. Because uh, that's that's you know as as we've talked about before, it's like that's the best route of a complaint is like directly to action. Yeah. Because that that's going to be what causes change. Um. So I mean, hell, we can we can at least chip away at it and like try to kind of break through that that annoying wall. And I mean, if nothing else happens other than uh this this is an unfiltered way to uh connect with each other in a way that makes it so that if one of us puts something out and people want to see that thing that they get to without the algorithms getting in the way i i I don't care if we change the world i i just want i want to see people's stuff that i want to see and i want uh i want people to see my stuff that want to see it that's that's all i really care about the rest of it is probably great and i'm sure that there's stuff like this that is happening all over the place because it's usually not just one thing that happens there's going to be a groundswell movement that rips the rips the gates off the gatekeepers uh you know little walls or whatever but uh but this stuff like this is definitely going to be part of it cool so So their own little collective all right cool um Dude, we've been going a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an hour and fifteen minutes. So, All right. Um. So do do we want to do we want to kind of wrap this up? I mean, I think that's a really positive note to kind of end it on. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited um, about your guys' trip. Actually, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that's so. going to be pretty rad. So, um, I forgot to put Scott's up here, but if you want to go to, um. Cirqueworks.com, S-E-R-K, and then works.com. Um, uh, check out the Kickstarter. That's the first thing that you should do because that is happening right now and time is ticking and other phrases that will get you to understand the sense of urgency of a closing gate. Um, and then uh, and then sign up for the newsletter. Um, I will put a link uh, immediately after that um, on coreykerr.com slash 48HR so that you guys can kind of see what's going on there. So go to coreykerr.com slash 48HR. And then as always, check out Joshua Kimball's stuff at quarterlystories.com. Um, and if you would like to help him with the algorithm that he's fighting, uh, then you can go on tapas.io and subscribe to that. Um, Victor Rodriguez is saying, we want videos of the event, and there will be videos. Yeah, we'll have to put out one, because one thing I noticed on Creative South, like if you Google it, there's some videos, but there's not much, and they don't have a lot of views. I think we could put out probably the best creative yeah. self video. They, you know, as cool as I hear about this conference, they're 
as far as them updating on their website and, yeah. and just getting people in that don't know what it's about, I think we could do a really good job with that. So we'll have to put something together. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm planning on, uh, I do, I do a ton of this on my iPad, so I'm, I'm completely mobile. I can, I can produce all, all kinds of different stuff. So, uh, yeah, I will. And, it, and there's some good stuff and it's, it's pretty inexpensive. So, um, yeah, so go back, go back, Scott, um, get on those email newsletters. Um, and, uh, one is going to be at quarrycurcom slash 48 HR. Um, and the other is going to be at circworks.com. Um, and we will, uh, the, the revolution is coming. So, um, we've got lots of people volunteering to help. And I would, uh, I will definitely take you up on that. Um, after I figure out what it is that is happening and what we need. Uh, so you guys are awesome. This is made my day. I am no longer angry. I am now enthused. What are you saying, Josh? Fight the power of evil of revolution. Yeah, exactly. All right. And, uh, you know, have t-shirts of Che Guevara and stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll catch you guys in a couple days. We're out.